Good morning, everybody. Hey, welcome to Friday. Guess what? It's October 1st, the first day of October, but also the first day of the fourth quarter of 2021. So, hey, <clears throat> we didn't end up March, I mean, um, September in very good shape. We'll talk about that more when Dave joins us in just a moment. Hey, before we do that, though, let me remind you, there's only one thing that any of us can control within our portfolios, and that's how much risk you have. You know, that determines the ups and downs that you face. And the closer you get to retirement, the more and more that risk becomes important. Give us a call and let us help walk you through our core retirement design. 863-382-0037. That's 863-382-0037. Hey, with that, we've got Dave coming up next. I said it's time. Check in on your money and see what's going on on Wall Street. I'm trying to riff a little bit in order to let Philip do some of his math and see what the indexes did for this month. So let's see if we've killed enough time for him. Downtown Sebring we go. Where Philip is on the line. Good morning, sir. How are you today? Hey, good morning, Dave. Hey, welcome to the first day of the fourth quarter. Hard to believe that uh, next thing you know, we'll be talking about Thanksgiving and, and Christmas. Oh, yeah, with all the shipping delays, I'm afraid we won't like talking about the Christmas shopping season. Yesterday was, uh, well, let's just call it a not good day on Wall Street. Dow managed to tank by 547 points. Standard & Poor's down by 52. NASDAQ was down by 64. And you and I were both saying that we needed a big up day in order to break even for the month. Something tells me we didn't get that up day, did we? Absolutely not, uh, Dave. A matter of fact, if we look at the S&P 500, it is the worst month it's had since March of 2020. Um, well, it was down four point, almost 4.9% uh, for the month of September. Um, and, and most of that came last week, um, over the week, because the week was down 3.8%, I mean 3.1%. The NASDAQ was down for the month of September 5.35%. 4% of that came in this last week. Um, and then you look at the Dow. Dow down 4.4% for the month. 2.65% of that came in this last week. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, hey, we're starting at some low numbers today. Maybe we can bounce and end up the year um in the fourth quarter in in good shape and you know i've kind of had a pet theory for some time when the indexes are up as high as they've been i mean you know still thirty three thousand eight forty three is a pretty high dow compared to where we were just a couple three years ago i'm kind of thinking i'm still kind of of a mind that five percent these days qualifies as a psychological correction so we may get an opportunity to see the bounce but the fact that so much of it has gone through this past week pretty much an indicator that while well, we've been trying to guess what's causing the malaise on the part of congress the futures kind of give us some indication about 7 30 this morning it was announced that there's no way the house is going to be able to get any kind of agreement through between the different factions in the democratic party so they've delayed the vote on the uh, stimulus bill, the reconciliation bill, the infrastructure bill, whatever you want to call it, those two bills that are being held for ransom by the uh, left wing in the Democratic Party in, um, in uh, the House, 
and the uh, moderate wing of the Republican Party and the or the uh, Democratic Party in the Senate, uh, they just ain't going to happen. And as soon as that announcement came out, all of a sudden the futures turned straight upward. That pretty much tells us what Wall Street thinks of the uh, of the Build Back Better bill, doesn't it? It, it really does. I mean, that just. Um yeah, because when I woke up this morning, I was looking at the Dow. I mean, Dow was down 300 points to the mm-hmm. red. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, we're going to have another day like that. And uh, and then right before we get on the radio, I took another glance at it. And it it's up almost 140 points. So, I mean, that's a $440 swing in, what, five hours? Yeah, and the turn was actually in the last half hour before 8 a.m., and I'm timing that out to about the announcement about 7.30 this morning uh, that they aren't going to be able to get a vote in on the House. So, like I said, you and I have been kind of uh, trying to divine what's been driving the market, whether it's the concern over the Evergrande thing in China, whether it's uh, inflation, or whether it's the worry about whether or not we're going to default on the federal debt. No, it just seems like they don't like fiscal policy at the moment out of Congress. Well, that's right. And, you know, uh, President Biden has a lot riding on this deal. Um, You know, this is his whole legacy is is tied up kind of in these two or three bills. And uh, and it just shows that, you know, that that we we have some people that are standing up for some um, fiscal responsibility here. And it's going to be interesting to see how it uh, how it plays out. I'm sure they'll negotiate something before it's all done i I mean i'm I'm thinking they will because it's important to biden to get it done uh, in some form or fashion yeah if you look at things as uh, you know the market is a public opinion poll and it's at least the uh, opinion poll on the investors being probably the most uh, small d democratic reading that you get in the bunch they weren't overly impressed yesterday when congress finally passed if people haven't caught up with it a continuing resolution that means the government is not shut down today they managed to extend everything out through the end of the about the end of the year and then they uh, hit the press conference circle as if they'd uh, just learned how to eat with utensils or something. Uh, that didn't impress the market very much. It just kept on sliding all day yesterday. But, boy, when they decided they couldn't take a vote on the stimulus package, that pretty much turned things around so far. And the morning macro figures are kind of backing that up because uh, it seems to be reinforcing it. We've got uh, pretty much what we expected on virtually everything except for consumer spending. Personal income last month was up just about what folks expected, about two-tenths of a percent. But spending was up by eight-tenths of a percent last month. We're, spent, we're still spending like drunken sailors, Philip. Yeah, and I don't know if it's a, an accumulation of, 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 of stimulus money that people were saving. Or the other thing it could be, Dave, and this uh, probably is more accurate, is people are getting that monthly child credit. Um, in their bank accounts, and um, that can be you know a family of uh, three children. That's uh, uh, you know that's almost a grand a month extra in their bank account to spend. And so maybe they're I mean I'm looking at it thinking okay maybe they're spending it now and that's and that's where that spending number is coming from. That's entirely possible. All, all I know is that the, the one surprise in the thing today of any great consequence was uh, consumer spending. Inflation certainly hasn't abated a bit. The uh, personal consumption expenditure inflation numbers came out. Last month it was up a little more than they expected. It was expected two-tenths of a percent increase on the, on the core number. That gets rid of stuff like gas and food, you know, the things we can live without. It was up three-tenths of a percent. That's 3.6 percent per year. 
But then you get the total number, just the cost of living on personal consumption expenditures, annually up to 4.3% per year. That's like two and a half times what the Federal Reserve said they had as a target for inflation. Yeah, it is. And and let's face it, we're feeling it. We are feeling it um, in the grocery store especially. And the, and the question really becomes, is this inflationary period being caused totally by um, supply chain issues? You know, people want something, they're willing to pay more for it, and so the retailer can get more for it. Or, and that, you know, so eventually, right, when supply chain gets back to normal, um, then you would think the price would go down. But if you're willing to pay that much for it now, um, we can expect those prices to remain the same and the retailer benefit from that. And, and so that really becomes the issue. Is that what's causing the inflation or is it true economic issues, oversupply of money, those type of things? Is that what's causing this inflation? Because down the road, that's going to matter because some of that, you know, if it's retail based and supply chain based, some of that will go away. If it's economic-based, then that, that may take a little longer to work out. At least one politician in Washington, our friend Joe Manchin from West Virginia up in the Senate, was saying he thinks it's the uh, too much money and the loose money. He was politicking yesterday with the Fed, saying that he thinks they ought to kill that bond-buying stuff right away because the loose money is, he thinks, what's causing the inflation. My read is it's kind of a horse apiece. I mean, we got driving up that stagflation we were talking about yesterday by the supply chain issues. But also at the same time, it's now been, what, 12 years that we've been doing this loose money policy? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, 08, we all started with the financial crisis. And, um, it, you know, so that's 12 years of, of over, well, oversupply of money, really. Um, and so at some point, you know, you got to cut that off. You know, you got to wean off of that stuff. And and um, Mnuchin's probably right. It's it's time to to you know cut loose and and let's uh, let's get our 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 fiscal and monetary policy back in control. Absolutely. And the Fed's been doing a lot of that by buying bonds right and left, which means the Federal Reserve now owns a big chunk of both our houses as well as our uh, as well as our company debt around the country. Other things that might affect the market today, especially given the concern that we've got a consumer behavior, University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Report gets released at 10 a.m. Normally, that's one of the things you raise your eyebrow on and go forward. But last month when it came out, you were on vacation, Philip, but it's always been one of those eyebrow raise and go forward numbers last year, last month when it came out and it was a disappointment stock market just absolutely reacted negatively to it and we had an absolute tanking for a day after it came out so these sidebar reports that we're getting these days that normally are nothing burgers all of a sudden they loom an awful lot larger when we've got a hinky economy and questions out there yeah, it really does. And the other number that's coming out at 10 o'clock, I think is probably vitally important, is going to be the August construction spending number. Mm -hmm. uh, that comes out at 10. And then this is a number that we don't talk about much at all. And, um, and that's the five-year expected inflation rate. The final expectation is supposed to come out at 10 o'clock as well. Um, and that one will be interesting to me because that's the economist thinking, okay, they're projecting out. What do they think the five-year inflation rate is going to be? Um, right now, they expect it to be about, or, or the last time they did a reading, it was 2.9%. So 
So it'd be interesting to see what that five-year number looks like now. Um, and that comes out at 10 o'clock as well. So a lot of stuff coming out at 10 o'clock that could be impactful to the markets. It could be good news, could be bad news, depending upon how it goes out. One bit of good news that did come out earlier this morning, that uh, the Evergrande bonds that defaulted as of this morning, there's a whole bunch of distressed buyers, distressed debt buyers that are picking them up like chiclets because they're assuming that China's not going to allow a big real estate failure to happen, so they're betting on a uh, pretty much dead real estate company being able to pull itself out of the grave with a little help from an authoritarian government. And that might end up being an insulation from that disaster over in China becoming something that could be uh, uh, contagious across the ocean. So I'm counting that as relatively good news. That would be good news, and and you know anything that's going to help that situation over there is going to be good news. Uh, maybe not good for the government over there, but but hey, good for the economy. And that's probably the best of both worlds. If it hurts the government but helps the economy, well, hey, that's kind of a win-win, isn't it? Yeah, in China, yeah. <laughs> Any reports? I know we got earnings season formally beginning about the middle of the month. Any stragglers out there with company news to share with us? No, not really. But I was I want to share this with you because I this caught my eye this morning, Merck. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they have come out with an experimental COVID-19 pill that cuts the risk of death and hospitalization by 50% in their late stage uh, study that they've done. And they're actually getting ready to file uh, for emergency authorization, um, uh, being able to use that, um, that pill. Yeah, that news came out earlier this morning. I, I was teasing the news coming up at 7 a.m. I said, you don't want the jab? Hey, you can take a pill now. And, and I didn't read enough or know enough if that's really a, a quote, replacement of the vaccine or if that's a, a replacement of like the monoclear um, therapy, you know, I, if you take that when you uh, first get it type thing. I think it's a substitute for the Regeneron implants to put it down. You know, instead of taking a, an infusion of Regeneron, yeah. you can take something orally and it's got a track record that starts to rival Regeneron, but that'll make some people feel better on its own front. Yeah, it really will. So that's uh, that's giving Mark a big jump this morning. Oh, absolutely. Resetting the table for the morning, we reacted to it as kind of a bloodbath on the blue chips yesterday. Dow was down by over 1.5%. The S&P was down by well over a percent. NASDAQ was probably the winner of the three. It was only down by about half a percent yesterday. 45 minutes before we opened, we kind of been alluding to it. We suddenly had a turn this morning about 7.30. How do we look before the real money gets thrown around? So right now we are still in the green, now bouncing around a little bit, but but the Dow 30 is up a little over um, a third of a percent, 105 dollars. Uh, we've got the S and P 500 up, uh, not quite a quarter of a percent, getting close to 10 dollars. Nasdaq's up about a tenth of a percent. So um, big winner is. Uh, well, they're all about the same except for the Nasdaq right now. VIX is falling down about 1.7 percent this morning. Then we look at the commodities inside of things. We've got gold up. Well, it's really flat right now. Uh, Silver's up one and a half percent, which is good news for them because they've taken a beat in the last 30 days or so. And then uh, crude oil is down almost seven tenths of a percent. But I think it's about where it was yesterday when you and I talked, $74.50 a barrel. That was about what I was thinking, too. It was somewhere in the mid-74 range yesterday. 
Overseas markets mixed bag in Asia. Japan had a uh, real bad off day yesterday and closed down over 2%. The mainland Chinese markets and the Hong Kong market just a little either side of the zero market six this morning when they closed up. Europe is looking at what we did yesterday and going, oh boy, on top of that, they got an inflation figure for their area with 3.6% annual inflation in the eurozone, and they're not happy at all. They're all down about a third of percent or more halfway through their day. Philip, it's uh, time to look at my retirement. I want to make sure I know what I'm going to have available to me, and that means getting the risk out. How do I find you to find out where the risk is? Dave, you know, one of the things I did while I've been out of the office is working on a process. Um, and so we've come up with uh, really taking what we do and redesigning it. And now we have our core retirement design, uh, a trademark process that we've put together to help people really determine what their risk is and how they need to follow through on that. Give us a call at 863 863- 382-0037 to start going through that process with us now. That's a core retirement design. Check out our website at statlerfinancial.com and then join us this weekend on the Statler Financial Radio Show, 6 a.m. and noon on Saturday, 10 a.m. Sunday morning on Highlands News Talk 730 and FM 95.3. Did I get that right? You got it. You All got right. It. We're kind of proud of it. I'm glad you remembered it too. I appreciate it. You have a wonderful weekend, Philip. We'll see you on Monday, all right? All right, man. You too. Thank you. It's 105.7 Light FM and Statler Financial Services. Philip Statler. from the. Hey, folks. Again, I want to thank you for joining us today. Remember, we've got our brand new proprietary process called the Core Retirement Design. Very helpful in getting ready for retirement and knowing where you are, where you need to be. Give us a call for that, 863-382-0037. Hey, have a great weekend. I look forward to seeing you again on Monday. Take care.